All right, so it's day 11. Yep, day 11. And uh, we've been doing Psalm 119, but I'm going to take a pause on that because I want to talk about something else. I am going to go back to Psalm 19. I'm about Psalm 119. I'm about 94% sure that I'm going to go back to Psalm 19. Psalm 119 after um, I talk about this thing, but I had a I was reminded of a conversation today that I had a few days ago, and I just want to talk about it with y'all. And it's about Snapchat filters. All right. So I've been volunteering at Armstrong High School twice a week this school year, and I've built up a rapport with some of the students. And because these kids were born in, I don't know, 2003, like in their, their entire lives, they've always been cell phones at hand. And so when you build up a rapport or you become friendlyish with a teenager or a kid, the first thing they want to do is see your phone, right? Because you're grown, you usually have a better phone than they do. Usually, not always, not always, but they just want to see your phone. So one girl in particular asked if she could open up or use my phone during the free time because their class actually did okay uh, for that class and the teacher gave them some free time. And I was like, all right, that's fine. And I allowed that only because my phone is, I mean, my life is so dry that I have nothing to hide on my phone. So I told her, go ahead. She opened up the camera app. which is a regular camera app. And was like, ew, no, I want Snapchat. So she goes to Snapchat and she was like, there we go, girl, because I needed a filter. And I, I mean, for those of you unfamiliar with Snapchat or with Snapchat filters, allow me to explain Snapchat is a type of video messaging app, and to my knowledge, it originally gained popularity because you could share racy pictures or videos of yourself without the other person, the person you were sending it to, being able to save them. So the video would disappear, the video or the picture would disappear after the person who received it looked at it. So it was a low-risk sexting app. I mean, that's... I'm pretty sure that's where it started. But Snapchat Snapchat struck gold. Uh, their developer struck gold with its filters. Because there isn't another app whose video or picture filters can compare to Snapchat's. And uh, I can explain why. So another app that has filters is Instagram. And Instagram came around first. And Instagram, those filters are cool. They do wonders for the selfie, but I think that they were originally intended for like when somebody is taping is taking hipster pictures of bridges or old buildings. It's basically they're fooling with the lighting of the picture of what's there. Excuse me, they're fooling with the lighting. They're imposing a lighting filter on the picture that you took, and that's really all that they're changing to make new pictures look old, whatever, cool. But Snapchat filter they're created for the selfie. They were made for the selfie, which is a picture that a person takes of themselves. Snapchat filters change your face. I'm not lying. I have Snapchat. I'm millennial. I'm a millennial, an older millennial, albeit, but I'm a millennial and Snapchat filters change your face. I'm not lying. It's true. And not only do they add funny things onto your face like dog ears or zany sunglasses or funky hats, but they actually, they change your face. 
the actual features on your face look different. For a lot of the filters, they make your cheekbones higher and more prominent. They make your eyes larger or the color of your eyes lighter. They make your nose and chin pointier and your face overall thinner. I'm not kidding. I'm not. Even on the Snapchat filters that are of chipmunks or foxes, they do all of those things to make you look like some version. I mean, it just is... It just completely messes with your face to what you're left with is an image that could be you, but it's not you. Like, it could be a cousin or a fun aunt or maybe even a close friend, but it's just not you. It isn't you. And But you, but I think a lot of people just really like how these Snapchat filters make them look. Like, who isn't going to want higher cheekbones, a slimmer face, and a point to your nose, especially for part of this Western American, like, standard of beauty that just is what we consider to be beautiful, those things. And I mean, it just isn't you. It's it's you made in the image of Snapchat. I'll put it like that. It is you, but it's you made in the image of Snapchat. And the difference is so drastic that kids won't even take selfies anymore without a filter. You'll hear them say, um, oh no, I'm ugh, I'm ugh, oh I'm mad ugly. Like, they don't like their own reflect. They don't like seeing what's actually there. Like, what you and I are seeing when we're looking at them, they don't want to see that. They'd rather see the filtered versions of themselves. They'd rather see the Snapchat versions of themselves. And it's it's so normal. Listen, I ain't going to act like it's just these kids out here in the street that feel like this. No, I am complicit. Because, I mean, it's sometimes when I scroll down my timeline on my social media and I'll see somebody post a selfie with no filter, not every time, but occasionally. And I'll be like, hmm, a flower crown would have served this person well in this particular photo. Like that's just as, it just has affected. It's, it's insidious. I'm not kidding. It's insidious. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm ashamed to say that that's something that I do what it is. And I was reminded of this. I was talking to Brooke Winters earlier today and I just was like, yo, it's so normal. How are we okay with this as a society? Like, I feel like this is just the start. I think in like 40 years, we'll be, we'll be talking about this archaic app called Snapchat or if Snapchat still exists, we'll be talking about when it was in its like archaic stages. And I feel like Snapchat will own like plastic surgery factories in every town and people will just go in and get these invasive surgeries and change their face so that everybody like is has a complexion of a latte and has eyes that are grayish green brown and high cheekbones and small cheeks and a small pointy nose and a pointy chin and large like I just feel like that's just gonna be how it is and that's gonna be normal these are the beginning steps of it I mean, what we naturally have just isn't good enough for us at all anymore. We have to add on, augment, digitize, airbrush our humanity our humanity away. And it's really, really weird. And I say this as somebody who adds on and augments and airbrushes. I know y'all thinking Aaron is sitting in that office recording this podcast with gray braids and probably some fake eyelashes on. Well, A of all, I do have my gray braids in. B of all, I'm not wearing any fake eyelashes today. So there, but I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm part of society. Like I live here. 
I'm just, I'm just considering that. I'm just considering the path that we're on. So, I mean, but it, it actually got me thinking about us as a church, as a community, as the people of God. And I was like, well, what Snapchat filters are we applying to God's word? Hmm? What are we applying? What filters are we applying to make it more palatable? To make it more accessible, to make it more relevant, to make it say what we want it to say. What are we cutting away? What are we enlarging? What are we making smaller in order to make it the document that we want it to be? What filters are we applying to God's word? First question. Or first set of questions. Second set of questions. What Snapchat filters are we applying to God? Y'all, this is something I've been wrestling with. If you've had a conversation with me about faith in the past few weeks I've really been thinking about being confronted with like looking the God of the Old Testament in the face as it were like we can't do that right because first of all if we look God in the face in these natural bodies we die because the glory would just be too tremendous our bodies couldn't handle it but I mean, the same God that was the commander-in-chief of the Israelite army and would direct the Israelite army to utterly destroy the opposing army, to kill, and not even just destroy the people in the army, but to go into towns and annihilate everybody. What do we do with that God? When, when we're confronted with that God, what filters do we apply to make him more palatable for us? What do we do when what is revealed about God and God's character isn't something that we like? We serve a God that's as fiercely holy and righteous as he is loving and accepting. And when we encounter an attribute of God's character that's difficult that's difficult to comprehend, do we ignore it? Do we brush it aside? Do we blend it out? Do we airbrush it? Do we do all that until what's left isn't God at all, but a God like being made in our own image? What Snapchat filters are we applying to God? Third set of questions. What Snapchat filters are we applying to ourselves? To our lives, our walk? What are we hiding about? What are we hiding behind? Why are we pretending and who are we pretending for? What filters are we applying? Well, the the so like you if you're on Snapchat, you take a filter, I'm sorry, you take a picture with a filter and then you post it. And everybody knows that you posted that picture with a filter. And everybody who knows you knows you don't really look like that. But yet we still like it all the same. We be like, ooh girl, you bad. Ooh, you killing. Ooh, da 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 laying all these compliments on these fake pictures of people. And we know that it's fake. But and at the same time, we still put these pictures of ourselves out that are filtered, that are altered, that are really derivative of who we actually are. And we do it for the likes, for the attention. Like, how are we doing that in our real lives? How in our real lives are we putting on filters, putting on a show that everybody can see is a show, that everybody can see isn't really real, but that we still say, Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. We're grateful for you. You're you're this, that, and the third. But we all know what's not real, and God knows it's not real. Like, are, are we doing that? Am I doing that? And if so, how? If so, when? Like, 
I want that. I want God to show me that. I want God to show us that. I want God to show us where we're being inauthentic, where we're not being true, where we're not being our true selves. I just, I, I want to see it. So going back to God's word, I just have these, or the three things that I talked about, God's word, God and ourselves in no particular order. I'm not putting God's word above God. I just, that's just the order I went in. God's word can stand on its own. God's word does stand on its own. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what God's word says that God's word is. And I believe it to be true because it's endured for this many generations. The grass fades and the flower falls with the word of our God stands forever. We don't have to help it out. We have a responsibility of handling it correctly, obeying it, and sharing it. That's 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 our responsibility to dig deep into it, to handle it correctly, rightly divide it, obey it, and share it. I mean, the next one, God, like I, I'm I know I don't even have to say this to y'all. I know because y'all are already saved, but I mean. God is creator of heaven, earth, and far beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And who in the world do we think we are to think that we need to adjust who God is to make him palatable for anyone, including ourselves? No. Whenever we're confronted with an attribute of God or an aspect of God's character that unsettles us, it serves as a kind of deconstructing of what we know to be true about God. And thanks be to God, he always reconstructs and gives us a larger enhanced view of him. And how dare we come up against something that we don't understand about God and try to make God fit into the box, into the too small box of our own thinking, of our own imagining. No, God reveals himself to us more and more and more. And we are the ones that need to adjust. We do the shifting, not God. We, we've we been trying to stuff God in, pet God in. And that's just, no, we need to change our own perception, change our own thinking to adjust to what God has revealed God's own self to be. God is the God of the universe. It just... It just, we can't do it anymore. We can't do it anymore. You. You, dear sister, you, dear brother, you are enough. You're imperfect, yes. You're messed up, yes. But let's stop putting on fronts that everybody knows our fronts. Let's stop applauding fronts that we all know our fronts. God sees us as we are anyhow. And when we're putting up fronts, we're doing it for each other. So let's just stop. We're trying to fool the outside world, but we could be missing an opportunity to bless somebody else as God works through and redeems us in our messy, broken lives. Let's not let our pride get us caught up. Let's not let our pride keep us from allowing God to mold us, to make us, to conform us into the image of his son. East End Fellowship, let's seek the one and only living God exactly as he presents himself to us in scripture, through his son, and by his spirit. Father, I pray that we would just take off the rose-colored glasses, whatever filter, whatever imaginings that we have that we're imposing on you, your spirit, your word. Lord, I pray that we would see you as you would have us see you, see you as you are. Lord, just completely unparalleled, completely matchless. 
without equal, just king, ruler of the universe. That's who you are, God. Lord, I pray that we would humbly submit to you, God, that we would, that you would take your rightful place on the throne of our hearts, that we would allow you that. Rise up, oh God, and take your rightful place in our hearts. We're, we're ready for it. We're waiting for you, Lord. And if we're not, Lord, make us ready for it. Lord, I pray that you would make your people on one accord. Give us singularity of mind, singularity of purpose, singularity of vision, God, so that we can serve you in the same direction. Lord God, unite us under your blood by the power of your spirit. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.